0: Turn with me again this evening to the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 16. I want to read again that verse number 23. And there we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Let us bow together in prayer. And we will ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word this evening. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank thee for the great warning of the gospel, that it doth warn of the life to come, and it doth warn of a lost eternity for those who are outside of Christ. May I pray, O God, tonight then, that as thy word goes forth, that there will be none in this meeting who would dare to die without Christ and without a Savior. So bless our hearts now. Undertake for us. Bless thy word to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 16, we have one of the clearest passages in the whole Bible when it comes to the teaching of the doctrine of eternal punishment. Here we have a solemn and a sober picture of what it means for a man or for a woman to go out into a lost eternity. We are told of Lazarus on the one hand, and Lazarus was a man who went to heaven. We are told also of the rich man, and simply this was a man who went to hell. And this is a sober reality because it really is a great summary of what will be when all is said and done in this world. There will be those who will go to heaven, and simply there will be those who go to hell and will experience the second death. And so we say that it is a very real reality tonight that every single day in this world, as people die, as their soul departs from their body, there are many multitudes every day who are lost and they're going to hell. This is something that you'll find that is scoffed at even in our day. One author has said that hell isn't as popular as it used to be. And simply what he means is that the doctrine of hell is something that is not really held in these days. People say it's not true. they say it's something perhaps that the church invented in order to scare people and in order to beat them into bondage and to beat them into submission. But also those who profess to believe the Bible, those who profess that some form of religion will also say that the Bible is not teaching what we say it teaches with regard to eternal punishment. One view is known as universalism. Universalism teaches that all human beings will eventually be gathered into the love of God and will be saved. So essentially, it really doesn't matter if you're saved tonight. It doesn't matter if you're unsaved. Sooner or later, you're going to get to heaven anyway. And would some of them go as far as to say that even the devil himself one day will go to heaven. And they say that a loving God would never cause anybody to suffer in hell forever. They say if there even is a hell, it's a place of temporal punishment. It's a place where a soul will go and they'll get another opportunity to get saved or they'll get another opportunity to get right with God. And therefore they say hell is not a permanent place. And so we ask the question in response, well, why did Christ have to die? Why would he die for men and women if uh, there were those who were not saved were going to get into heaven anyway? Better just to let us all go our own way, do what we like. We'll all go for a bit of temporal punishment and we'll get to heaven sooner or later regardless. The cross has no function in such teaching. It is not necessary. It is just something that simply happened. The Bible is clear. Christ died to save sinners from the reality that He speaks of here. You think of some branches of Roman Catholicism. They do believe in hell, but they will come to a passage like Luke chapter 16. And they'll say that Luke chapter 16 is not hell, but is purgatory. And so they say purgatory is a place for purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. And so they say the rich man was in purgatory. He was experiencing uh, punishment. These flames were meant to purify him. They were meant to make him fit to get into heaven. Really, essentially, sooner or later, when all is said and done, when this person has got the flames, when they have been purified enough, they will enter into the joy of heaven. And why do they assert this? Because they say the rich man had compassion. They say he had compassion upon his family. He wanted Lazarus to go and to warn his his brethren of what was to come. And therefore they say that the compassion is a grace of God. And there is no grace of God in hell. And so they say it can't be hell. It must be purgatory. But we say this. This man was asking for his brethren not to go to hell, not for the glory of God or for the glory of Christ or for the glory of the gospel. It was because if his brethren went to hell, it would add to his torment. It would add to his suffering because he would remember in his mind that his brethren, those who he loved on earth, are now being punished with him. And so this is not purgatory This man was not acting in grace. He was acting as he acted on earth. He was acting selfishly. And if this was purgatory, well, why would he care? What's he worried about? Sure, they will come there for a wee while anyway, and then they will go to heaven. Surely any good Roman Catholic, as Roman Catholicism says this man was, surely any good Roman Catholic would want someone to go to purgatory. And to go there and to be purified and enter the joy of heaven. This is not purgatory. This is eternal damnation. Another view is annihilationism. This is the view that somebody who dies without Christ or someone who dies without some sort of form of religion, they'll just simply die and they'll no longer exist. So essentially when you die, your body will go to the ground and you'll just fade away. You'll no longer exist. Now we think of what the Savior says in Mark chapter 14:21. He says, "The son of man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born." And so the Savior is saying here to those who are listening to him, it would have been better for Judas because he's speaking of Judas, it would have been better for Judas if he had never existed. And why would he say that? Because he understands that what Judas would do in betraying him would lead him into a lost eternity. Now why would he say it would have never been good for him to exist if he wasn't going to exist anyway? The Savior knows what the Bible knows. That Judas went to his own place. Judas went to hell. And Judas was lost forever. And therefore there is this existence of the person after death. And there is no annihilationism whatsoever. And so the Bible is absolutely clear on all of this. There is a place of punishment. There is a place that the Bible describes here as hell. There is a place that if you're not saved, you're going to go to. And that one day is going to be a great reality for you if you will not come to Christ. And so many would look at this passage and they would look at the Savior and they would question Him. And what do I say about this? Well, I say there's the Savior not showing His love and His grace here. Because if He did not love men and women, He would never warn them of such a place. He would never speak of it. But He does this to warn you tonight. He does this to give you, if you want to put it this way, a heads up. He's trying to show you what is going to happen if you continue on in your sin and you continue on in your way. The Savior is trying to show you that if you do not repent in this meeting, if you do not get saved, or this is exactly where you're going to go, the Lord in His grace and His mercy, He's brought you to the meeting tonight. He's maybe brought you to a place where you're listening in online as well and He's warning you in His love and His grace and mercy. It's time to repent. It's time to get saved. It's time to avoid this pathway to hell that you're currently treading tonight. So as we come to Luke chapter 16, we see this sobering reality of hell. And so we want to ask a few questions about this place this place that is presented to us in Luke chapter 16. And so this subject comes before us tonight, sobering questions about hell. First question we ask with regard to hell is, who is it for? Who is it for? The question we are essentially asking is, who is it that goes to hell? And looking at an article in, a, in, the, internet, in the internet website, time.com, I read the words from an author of an art, or the author of an article who was writing about hell. And as he wrote, he said this here. He said, plenty tremble before the possibility of eternal misery. Possibly this is a good time to help people realize that it simply will not be that way. And so he's saying to men and women in that article, You're worried about hell. You're worried about eternal punishment. You're worried about what people are saying to you about the reality of this. And he says, Don't worry about it. It just won't turn out that way. And yet, this is far from what the Bible says. And you think of what it says in Matthew chapter 25 and 41. It says, Then shall he also, or then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed it, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And we see that the original purpose in hell and this place of punishment, it was for the devil and his angels. That is, those who were in glory and rebelled against God in the heavenly realm. And as they rebelled against God, God has cast them away from His presence and He has promised them that one day they shall be cursed and go to a everlasting fire. That is prepared for them. But you notice here in Matthew chapter twenty five, this verse forty one, this fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels, it speaks about those who are standing before the Lord. And it speaks about those who are on his left hand, and he says to them, Depart from me. And do you see those words Depart from me? The Lord is saying to them, Depart from me out of my presence. Go into that everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You will not enter into glory. You will not dwell in the new heaven and in the new earth. And we know that in verse 32 of this chapter, what's it speaking about? It's speaking about all nations coming before the Savior, a multitude of people from all nations. And so the fact that others can say it will not be that way is totally against the Scriptures because I tell you, if you refuse to face this reality, if you refuse to use your mind and to think of your latter end, it will be that way. Think of what it says here in Luke chapter sixteen, twenty-three. It says, And in hell he lift up his eyes. For the rich man it was that way. He is now in hell. The Bible tells us he dies, and you notice as he dies in verse number 22, as he's buried, no sooner as he dead, he's buried, and he wakes up in hell. He opens up his eyes in hell. He begins to realize, now I've passed from that scene of time, and almost immediately the Bible doesn't give us a breath here. It takes us from death right into hell. And we see then how this reality comes to us because this is a man who is not saved, who has refused to come to Christ, who is on that pathway, and he dies. And those two words really sum up his life. In hell. You're living your life. You're trying to get these things out of your mind. You're trying to ignore it. Maybe say to yourself in your heart right now, I can't wait to get out of this meeting. I can't wait to get away from what he's saying. Maybe in your heart tonight you're saying, I'm scared. This is bothering me. And you can't wait just to get out the door, to get into your car, and to get home. You just can't wait. And yet the Lord confronts you time and time again. And He says to you, just as swiftly as you would stand up in your chair and leave this meeting, just as swiftly as you get into your car and open your door, I can take you out into eternity. And death can come and take you away swiftly. And just as quickly as death will swift you away from this world, it'll be this, in hell. Death in hell. Could this be the case with you? What a tragedy that we would be to fall into hell from a gospel meeting. To fall into hell from where you sit right now. An opportunity is presented to you to escape. You are but a footstep away from the Savior. And yet at the same time, a footstep away from hell. And so we're saying, who is hell for? It's for those who reject the warnings of the gospel. And it's for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Christ, what does He do here? In Luke 16, He points these men to Himself. You remember, He is speaking to those who were religious, the Pharisees. Those who despised Him, they hated Him. And yet you see his love here, because what does he do? He warns them about hell, and then he tries to get them to himself. Because we read in this story in verse 27 to 28... The, the rich man speaking unto Abraham. And he says, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So we know very well, he says, Raise Lazarus from the dead, send him to my brethren, send him to those who are not saved, and uh, let him warn them. And look what Abraham says. He says in verse 29 to 31, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And we see what happens in this passage is what happens in our modern society. Is that not the case? People look for the miraculous. They look for the miracles. They look for something that's wonderful. They look for all of this and... So many would maybe say, well, if I could only get a sign, if you could prove to me that God is real, I'll repent. And I tell you, you will not repent. Regardless. I've said it maybe before, but if I could go to your graveyard, if I could bring the dead back to life, you still wouldn't repent. Why did I say that? I say that because the Lord here says that's not what God has ordained to happen. It's impossible. The Bible says very clearly here that these men that the rich man wanted to see escape from hell already had what they needed to get saved. They had Moses and the prophets. And therefore, what was the Lord saying to them? He says, you have the Bible. And He said to these Pharisees, you have the Bible. Abraham is warning this man uh, and he's telling him that his brethren have Moses and the prophets. They have the Word of God. If they go to the Word of God, there they have the answer. And the answer, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Bible speaks of Him. You go to Genesis, you go to Exodus, Leviticus, whatever book you want to go to, you'll see Christ all there. You'll see Him in picture, you'll see Him in type, you'll see Him in prophecy. It's all about Christ. And do you see what the Lord is doing here? He's coming to these men and He's saying, go to the Bible and find me there. And when you find me, come to me. And so he says to you tonight, as you look at the Word of God, as you see the Scriptures presented to you, he says, you find me there. And I tell you, I'm a Savior that will save you. I'm a Savior that will take you tonight. I will cleanse you from all your sin. I will take you away from the damnation that sits upon your head. You think of what he says in John five thirty nine to 40. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. And he's speaking to those who think they have it all figured out. Oh, you think you have eternal life. And yet, if you had eternal life, you wouldn't be rejecting me. And he's saying uh, that he's asking them here in verse 40, or he's giving them an invitation. And he says, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. And he says to you tonight in the meeting, ye will not come to me ye will not come. Oh yes, you see me in the Bible. You're convinced that uh, the Bible speaks of me. You're convinced of my salvation in terms of the fact that I have accomplished it and I have done it, and that ye still will not come to me. If ye will not come to me, you will perish without me. If you will not be persuaded, that reality comes to your soul tonight again. and. You no, know, it has been said that many accidental deaths result from taking risks. There was the conclusion of an organization in Canada, and it was seeking to decrease accidents between cars and trains. And as they analyzed all of this, and they tried to figure out what was happening, why there were so many of these accidents, they said that 43% of these accidents happened at crossings where trains were going by. And the cars were coming towards the track, and next thing you know, the lights began to flash, the warning symbols were shown, and the car, rather than stop, tried to put, the, or the driver tried to put his foot on the accelerator and to drive through and to beat the train. So often this led to tragic consequences. So often this led to death, and so many times there was a collision and someone lost their life. And that's like the gospel. Tonight the warning lights are flashing. The gospel is coming again. The Lord is coming at you and He's warning you of eternity to come. He's speaking about hell. And what do you do? You're trying to beat the train. You're trying to outrun God. You're trying to get away. And yet I say to you, you'll never get away from the Lord. You'll never get away from His truth. You'll never get away from His person. And next thing you know, the Bible comes to you at speeds toward your soul and you try to outrun it and then you're caught out. You're saying tonight, I'm going to get saved another time. Yes, I believe what you're saying, but I'll wait until this time or that time. Next thing you know, you're caught out. Isaiah 14.6 says, Hell from beneath has moved for them to meet thee at thy coming. The picture of this is, it's almost as if the grave is just waiting for you. It almost comes below you and takes you away so quickly. And as you run from God, next thing you know, your feet are taken from beneath you and you drop away. And you're gone. And you're lost. Who is hell for? Hell is for those that reject the Savior. second question I want to ask here tonight is, how long is it for? How long does someone spend in hell and he lost eternity? We considered universalism earlier. Of course, they make the claim that it only will be a short period of time. Those of the universalists who even believe in any punishment after death. Of course, Roman Catholicism has their purgatory, and therefore this man is in a temporary state. And so many perhaps will go and they'll think to themselves, well, I hope that's true. They'd be delighted if that was the outcome, and yet what does the Bible say here? We'll read verse twenty-six with me. It says, "And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which will pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that will come from thence." And so we see here that there is this barrier presented between Lazarus and Abraham, and the barrier presented as one whereby they could not cross over. And so the rich man could not go where Lazarus was, and Lazarus could not go to where the rich man was. And the question we might ask then, well, where is Lazarus? As the Bible says in verse number 22, that Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom. Now, there has been much thought about this, and there has been much teaching. Some in the church in the past have taught that this was some type of temporary abode where Old Testament saints remain until the Savior came and got them. And we reject that. I reject that. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's right. Abraham's bosom, I would suggest, is heaven. And why is that? Because when there is the thought of a a father of a bosom in the Bible, it has the metaphor for a father. So the Bible here is presenting the idea that Abraham was a father. And therefore Lazarus was in his bosom. He was in the bosom of his father. Now you think of what it says about Abraham in Galatians 3, verse 7. It says, Know ye therefore. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And Abraham in the Bible is constantly presented as a father because he is a father of a great nation. He was one who was an example to them of faith. And so we can say he is a father in the faith. And so often the Bible presents him in this way. And so as Abraham is a father in the faith, as he's a a spiritual father unto the church, in tradition then, as children were gathered unto their father, they were gathered unto his bosom. And so to say that you were going to the bosom of Abraham, it was to say you were going into your father's bosom, that is, you're going to the place where he dwells. And so as we look at the Bible in Matthew 8 and 11, The Savior says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And so the Savior is making this uh, truth known to us. He's saying to us that Abraham will be in glory. And if Abraham is in glory, if Abraham is with the Savior, the Bible is making a clear affirmation here because it's saying that Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. That is, he was with Abraham and therefore Lazarus is in glory. And this totally takes away from those doctrines of universalism, from Roman Catholicism, because the Bible is saying the rich man is not in a temporary place. He's in a place where he cannot go, or where he cannot escape, because a man cannot go from heaven to hell, or hell to heaven, and vice versa. And so it was impossible for the rich man to enter into glory. It's absolutely clear. He couldn't go there. And so verse 26, what is this great gulf that is fixed? It is an eternal gulf. It is one that can never be passed. The rich man could not just one day enter into the glories of heaven whatsoever. And so the Bible is clear to you. If you go to hell, if you're lost in this place, you will go there forever and for all of eternity. You will never get out. You will never be saved. And you will never have Christ. Again, Matthew twenty-five forty-six. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The Bible is affirming that again. I don't know how much clearer the Bible needs to be. I don't need to sit and explain that. That's very clear. Second Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. And flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and they that, not, they that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Again, it's clear. that of Revelation fourteen eleven. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they shall have no rest day or night. A famous writer by the name of Thomas Watson, he says, If at the end of all that time the sinner might come out of hell, there would be some hope. But the word ever breaks the heart. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. The Bible is making this very clear to you tonight. That is the weight of the decision that you have to make. As you're in this meeting it's an eternal decision perhaps one that you will have to live with after you die forever and there will be no second chances so i warn you tonight the decision you make could be the decision that sends you out into eternity forever what a hopeless estate that is for the sinner. What a hopeless thing that is for you if you're lost. Proverbs eleven seven says, When a mech of man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perisheth. And what happens here is, it says that there is the sinner who is lost, and when they perish, their hope dies. And their expectation dies. And their hope of heaven and of glory and of ever being happy again dies. So if you're lost, your hope will perish with you. Maybe tonight you say, well, I hope one day to be saved. I hope that I get to heaven. I tell you, if you're lost, your hope will die. You will never be saved. You know, this Bible text here, this is speaking of what we would know as the intermediate state. This is the holding place of the lost until the last judgment. In Revelation 20, 14, it says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This says the second death. Now, what's this verse saying? Well, speaking about death, death is the separation of the soul and the body. Hell is the place where the soul dwells outside of the body, but the Lord is saying here that this will, this will perish at the end of time. And why is that? Because the Lord will bring that soul and that body back together by His power. He'll bring you out, out of your grave, And He will bring your soul and your body back together. And He will send them into the lake of fire where He can punish not only the soul, but He can punish the body forever. That's the expectation of the rich man today. As he is in hell right now, that's the only thing he has to look to. A greater experience of suffering and of death when the Lord brings them back and sends them into the lake of fire. What a hopeless place to be. What a place of utter despair. And yet I say to you in Christ, while you're still sitting on the pew, there is hope, there is mercy, and there is eternal life. I ask you, do you have such a hope in your soul tonight? The only way to have it is to come to Christ. Without Christ there is no hope. You needn't hope you'll get saved one day, because you might never get saved. You needn't hope you'll be in heaven. But tonight you can hope in Christ, and therefore you'll know that you'll never go into this place of everlasting punishment. Last question we ask what is hell for? Is hell a place created by Christians to beat others into submission? What I'm asking is, is this an invention of men and women to scare people? And my job was simply to scare you tonight. Well, I don't know how successful I would be. But the Christians or the people of God do not speak of this to simply scare people, uh, but as I've said, to warn people and to show them what the nature of the life to come is like. And the nature of the life to come is that it is a warning about a place of punishment. Luke chapter or Luke sixteen, twenty three to twenty four says, And on hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger on water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Well the expression the Lord wants you to get out of this is this that hell, this place where the sinner goes when they're lost, is a place of torment. As a place of torment. We see the flames here. And as I've said before, these are are not purging flames. They are punishing, tormenting flames. They are giving this idea that this man is wailing and he's crying in agony as the Lord is punishing him. And simply, the Lord is tormenting him and punishing him for his sins. You see, this is a punitive punishment. This is a punishment whereby the Lord pours out his vengeance upon men and women who have rejected him and who have broken his law. And therefore, the Lord here is punishing this man and he cries out, I am tormented in these flames. Now, the question that has been asked is are these literal flames? As this literal fire that people fall into when they go into a lost eternity. Well, we think of what the Bible says in so many references. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, it says these words For our God is a consuming fire. Nahum 1 verse 6 says, Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. And so the Bible wants to get the idea to you, man or woman, that the fire here, the presence of fire, indicates to you the presence of God. And whether these are literal flames, whether these are Flames that are figurative to give the expression of punishment. What the Lord is clearly saying to you in this meeting tonight is that as you're punished, no matter whether it's literal, no matter whether it's figurative flames, God will be there. His anger and His vengeance will be there. And His justice will be there to punish you. So often we speak about being separated from God. That does not mean that we're At a distance from Him. God is everywhere. And God is in hell. And why is God in hell? He's there to punish sinners. He's there to torment them. And I say unto you then tonight, the idea of separation from God is this idea of alienation. You're alienated from Him. You have no relationship with Him. And it will be the same in hell. You'll not be reconciled to God. But you'll remain distant from Him as regard to your relationship. You'll be distant from Him for all of eternity. And here, let me say this to you tonight. You will hate God forever. And He will hate you forever. And He will punish you with every bit of His infinite being forever. He will punish you. He will torment you. He will never give you a second's peace. as he pours out his fury anew for all of eternity. Revelation 14.10 says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, and here is the important term, and in the presence of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? The Lamb is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Speaks about sinners being punished, and you see here it talks about the wine of the wrath of God that is poured out without mixture, wine and those days would have been uh, diluted heavily with water or with milk. And yet the Bible says here there is no diluting of the wrath of God. That is a mixture poured out undiluted, and his indignation will be real. His indignation will be awful. I say to you, whatever hell is with regard to punishment, the Lord doesn't give it to us fully. I don't believe our minds can bear it. But I say, friend, it will be horrific. It will be horrific. And he will torment you forever, pour out his wrath upon you forever. You'll see His anger day and night for all of eternity. And yet, when you turn to the cross, you see a picture of this. God did not spare His own Son. He did not withhold one inch of His wrath from Him at the cross of Calvary. At the cross of Calvary, He punished Him to the uttermost. And why did He do it? He did it for the sins of His people. See, what I say to you tonight is, when you come to Christ... God will not pour out his wrath upon you in eternity, because there is no wrath left. His justice has been satisfied, his anger has been satisfied. Christ has been tormented that you might never be tormented. So I say, Come and take him as your Savior. Come and be prepared for the life to come. Trust in Him that you might never face the wrath of an angry God, those sobering questions about hell, for Christ's rejecters, for all of eternity, in the presence of God. Pray that that will not be the case with you. You'll get saved tonight. You'll come and you'll trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For His name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. And we'll bring our meeting to a close. And we'll ask the Lord to bless us as we part one from the other. Father, under God in heaven, we thank Thee for the warnings that Thou dost give us in Thy Word. I pray, O God, tonight that Thou would now speak as the voice of the preacher falls silent, that Thou, O God, would cause some to think of their latter end, of the great eternity that awaits them. O Lord, I pray that Thou would work so in their hearts that they would cry out, What must I do to be saved? Undertake thy force, we pray. Part us with thy fear and mercy. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.